It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Russ Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, especially now that the week one lines are out, it's betonline.ag, and it's promo code PODCAST1, so you get that 50% sign-up bonus today. He is Evan Silva. You guys know how I feel about him. I think he's the best fantasy analyst in the galaxy. Last year, he was the best mock draft dude in the galaxy. The one and only Evan Silva, at Evan Silva, is how you can find him on Twitter uh, he and I have been rolling on the Fantasy Feast for years now and dominating, and I know a lot of you loyal year-round listeners. Evan has hooked us up yet again with a terrific guest, which I am beyond fired up about, that we will get to momentarily. I should mention, by the way, just like I said, betonline.ag, now that the Season 1 lines are out, myfrontpagestory.com now that Mother's Day is less than a month away. By far, best Mother's Day gift, whether it's for your wife or your mom or whomever, literally talk to a reporter for 10 minutes. They write the story about your mom or wife, send it to you, you hand it to her, and she cries because it's the greatest gift ever. Myfrontpagestory.com. Trust me on that one, fellas. So this week's guest is Matthew Friedman. You can check him out on Twitter at Matt F. The Oracle. He's the editor-in-chief at Fantasy Labs, which is part of the Action Network, and a producer for Rotoviz Pods. And it says Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Matt, do you live in Iowa? I do. I follow my wife wherever she tells me to go. Nice, nice. Where are you from originally? Originally from Texas, uh, spent some time in Boston for college, uh, and have kind of lived a little bit all over New Hampshire, Seattle, uh, Colorado, and now Iowa. Wow, you have lived all over. Where'd you go to school in Boston? Uh, Boston College. I uh, went there for uh, for grad school in English. Uh, originally, I uh, went to TCU for my undergrad. Wow, you went to grad school at Boston College for English. Yep. How and did I end up where I on am? A podcast. <laughs> And now you're coming on a podcast to talk about prop bets for the draft. Yeah. Uh, what else would I want to do with my time? Uh, obsessed with uh, fantasy football and got into uh, dynasty sports, and that sort of led to uh, analyzing rookies, and that led into uh, you know the draft and prop betting. Well, first of all, Matt, that's amazing. You know, We are big fans of everyone doing something fun that they like to do in life. I'm just busting your chops because you're not exactly using that uh, graduate degree from Boston College in English. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely not. But on the other hand, uh, you know, I, I am an editor at uh, Action Network and Fantasy Labs. So there is a, a decent chunk of uh, work I do each day that uh, unfortunately has to uh, rely on my skills as someone familiar with the English language. Yeah. And by the way, Matt, I'm just busting your chops. My parents paid for me to go to Princeton. And I haven't used it yet, and I'm 40. I just talk about football on the radio and on podcasts, which I could have gone to any school to do that. So 
um, they're still wondering when I'm going to pay them back for, for my four years of tuition there. So glad to have you aboard. I know Evan's fired up about you. He's been talking about you for a couple of weeks. And so I'm going to, I'm going to hand it over so we get as much, as much content from you guys as possible. Yeah. Friedman, an excellent writer and editor last year, um, kind of early in the summer, I uh, was editing Warren Sharp's book and we were kind of running up close against the deadline. And I was like, who am I going to like, I need, I need some help editing, editing this thing, you know, wound up finishing like 18 chapters, uh, 18 team chapters, but you know, had like, um, like 14 left. So enlisted Freeman, he enlisted, uh, I enlisted Friedman. He enlisted some of his, um, uh, some, some of his, some of the guys that he works with, we got it done. Thanks so much, Friedman. Really hard worker, great editor, great writer. Yeah, my, my pleasure. It was awesome to be a part of that, and uh, happy to be here. Yeah, maybe we'll do it again this year. Anyways, let's jump into some uh, some draft props right away. Now, we looked at props prop lines from uh, BetOnline.ag, uh, Sportsbook.com. We're just going to go through a smattering of them. Friedman picked out some uh, some props before the uh, that, that we that we already discussed a little bit. Um, what just why don't you name a couple Friedman that you like, um, and then each one we'll we'll go through and discuss. Yeah, I think the quarterback props are really interesting. Uh, so there's one Kyler Murray draft position over under two and a half. I think he's close to a stone cold lock to be the number one pick. And even if he isn't, I, I mean, it's hard to imagine him not going at least number two, uh, because I think the 49ers in that case would be incentivized to, to trade down. So someone could move up. Uh, so the, uh, the under is minus 500. So you do have to lay a decent amount of juice there, but I mean, I think he's close to like, I mean, over 90%, 95% to be drafted in the top two. And I think that's even conservative, but what do you think? Yeah, not a big payout, obviously, but um, I, it's such a. I think it's such a cinch that I think we go with it. Um, one that stood out to me, kind of related, was um, the top two picks in the NFL draft being quarterbacks. Now, I went through your mock draft that you put out on um, on Wednesday. Went through obviously my mock draft that I finished last night. And I looked at Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah had a very good mock draft this past year. He's kind of the new the new Mayock at uh, NFL Network. Mayock always had really one of the most accurate mock drafts each year. I think that Jeremiah um, can be like that. None of us have the top two picks being quarterbacks in the draft, you know. So we do not ex- like expect this to happen. It's a long shot bet. Um, I saw it at. Plus fifteen hundred. So if you bet ten dollars, you profit one hundred and fifty dollars. If you get this right, I know that you saw one at plus uh, two thousand. Um, but the top two picks in the draft being quarterbacks. Now, how could this happen? We know that we don't expect it, but I do think it's a possibility. You look at the 49ers, I think that the 49ers are quietly incentivized to trade down if they can find a partner, maybe even taking a discount to move down because they've only got six picks in the draft. You know, they traded a two for D Ford. They don't have their five. They don't have their seven. They only have 
four picks in the top 175, and they're not a team that is uh, short on needs. I mean, they need a starting right guard. They need at least one additional pass catcher. Uh, defensively, they absolutely need another cornerback, um, and I think they might need another safety and another edge rusher. I mean, that's five needs. That's one of the longest list of, ne- of needs in the NFL. So, yeah. Yeah, so I think that they could I think that they could absolutely afford to pick up some more picks. I know that everybody loves Nick Bosa. Uh, but what do you think about this one, Matt? Yeah, I, I like this one. If you look from like a micro perspective and look at the individual quarterbacks in this class, you wouldn't think, okay, any of these guys outside of Kyler Murray is worthy of the number two pick. But from a macro perspective, like long term trends, it's not uncommon for us to see two quarterbacks go one and two. It happened in 2016 with Goff and Wentz. It happened the year before that with Winston and Mariota. It happened in 2012 with Luck and and RG3. Like in the past decade, it's happened three times. And teams behave irrationally when it comes to quarterbacks. You know, like they fixate on a guy and they think we have to have this guy we need to move up to get him. So, I mean, you can definitely see the path forward from the 49ers perspective and from the perspective of another team of thinking, all right, we need to move up to get our guy. And at plus 1500, you know, that's maybe like around, uh, I don't know, like there needs to be, we'll say like an eight or 10% chance uh, of this happening for you to get reasonable value to bet it plus 1500 like yeah i think there's maybe even like a 15 percent chance that it happens so i think there's some value there uh, any other uh, draft props that stand out to you yeah uh you mentioned nick bosa there um and, and this kind of goes against what we just said but not really because i think there's value on both bets uh nick bosa draft position under two and a half uh minus 300 you know i think he's got um we'll say like an 80, 85% chance of being selected number two. Um, so I think there's value on this bet where the the implied probability uh, based on that number is like 75%. So I, I think there's a good chance that he goes number two and there's some value there. And the thing is with a lot of these props, uh, you're having to lay a little bit of juice on it, but like that's just where the value is. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't love that one as much. I mean, I think that Quinn and Williams could definitely sneak in there. I think a quarterback, as we discussed, could sneak in there. Um, I don't know. That, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I do think that Nick Bosa is going to be like the number one player on the majority of NFL teams' boards. Not on all of them, but on yeah. the majority. And so uh, I, I do think that – and we that that's one uh, connection that I noticed that in each of our mocks, your mock, my mock, Daniel Jeremiah's mock, we all had Nick Bosa going number two uh, to San Francisco. Um, anything else that you're looking at uh, just from um, just like uh, especially by positions? Yeah. Let's look at running back because this one is really interesting to me and it all hinges on Josh Jacobs. Uh, And I I think you have a a pretty high opinion of him. My question is, do you think he is a first round caliber back and will he be selected in the first round? No, I think that almost the the weakness of the class in general works to his benefit, though, potentially. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, on paper. He is like a fringe second, third round prospect. But, you know, Daniel Jeremiah has him 
as the number eight overall player in the entire draft. Gil Brandt has him number 12 overall. Um, You know, these guys are are really plugged in. They, I think that they incorporate what they're hearing into their rankings and, you know, especially Gil Brandt. And I think that, you know, we can kind of use that as as a competitive advantage when we're trying to um, bet props and, you know, win mock draft contests and, you know, what, what have you. But, uh, I, I still, it's hard for me to imagine Josh Jacobs, like going in the first round. I think that he's, he's very much a, a trust the tape prospect. And I do trust my eyes on him. I mean, I think he's a good player, but man, with so little production, never had more than 120 carries in a college season played behind Damian Harris at, yeah. uh, at Alabama last season. I mean, I think that the skill level is very much there um, when I watch him play, but there's not a whole lot of evidence, you know, just objective evidence beyond that uh, that suggests that he belongs, you know, even in the first round discussion at all. Yeah. When you look at the running backs who have been selected in the first round, let's say over the past 10 years, over the past 15 years, he doesn't look a lot like them when you just look at the numbers in terms of his athleticism or in terms of the production he had in college. Now, as you said, the guys who rely more on tape, they say that he looks like a first rounder. Um, I don't know if I'm buying it. And so that leads me to a couple of props. There's one out there. Uh, over under one and a half running backs selected in the first round. I don't think there's any way we get two running backs selected in the first round. Uh, I think it's questionable we get even one. But so at one and a half uh, minus 400, I think there's like a 0% chance. I mean, literally a 0% chance. We'll say a 1% chance to be generous. A 1% chance we get two first round running backs. So I am really hammering that number. Um, but I do think, as you mentioned, that Josh Jacobs is the is the top running back in this class. I don't think there's any chance. Uh, again, we'll say like 1% to 5% chance, but that's being generous. 1% to 5% chance that another running back is drafted ahead of him. Uh, he's available as the first running back off the board at minus 400. And I feel really comfortable hammering that line too. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Um, what about defensively? Are there any draft props that stands out to you defensively? You know, one, one that is available on all the books is, um, over under 16 and a half defensive players, but I looked, uh, that go in the first round. But I yeah. looked at your mock and I looked at my mock and Jeremiah's mock. We all either have it at 16 or 17. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that that's not a particularly good bet. But are, there, are yeah. there any that stand out to you as good, actually good bets? Yeah, I, I agree with you on the numbers one. Most most mocks and historically you get 16 or 17. So there is one out there uh, where it's uh, – uh, offense plus three and a half minus 105. Uh, and that one is marginally interesting because I, I do think we will end up around 16 or 17, um, you know, players kind of distributed either way. Uh, so that would hit there, but not much value there. Uh, in terms of actual defensive props, one that really intrigues me is Devin White versus Devin Bush. And I should say this is actually for first linebacker drafted, but I mean, it's a stone cold lock that one of those two guys is going to be the first linebacker drafted. Um, Devin White, you have to lay minus 500 on him, but I, I will 
give a little uh, insight into my process. I've looked at the most recent mock drafts for uh, guys I would consider to be in the top 20 of mock drafters out there, uh, yourself included in that. Literally not one of these mock drafters has Devin Bush going ahead of Devin White. It's interesting in that everyone will say these two guys are actually pretty comparable. Uh, you know, closer in size, closer in athleticism than people thought before the combine. Both great players, both deserve to be, we'll say, drafted in the top maybe 15, top 20. Uh, Devin White could go as early as number five. People talk about how how comparable they are, but no one has Bush going ahead of Devin White. So uh, even though, again, you have to lay some juice there, I feel pretty confident in White going ahead of Bush on day one of the draft. You're putting a lot of stock in these mock drafts, man. I'm know. telling you, it's not really even just the mocks, but it's a way of kind of using them to to gauge what I'm already thinking of in my own process. But I mean, think of it, you know, in your own. Have you ever in any any draft you've done put Devin Bush ahead of Devin White? Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anyone in any conversation, like anyone I trust who really thinks about prospects, who thinks about team needs, the way the draft stacks up. Uh, I don't know anyone who's put Bush ahead of White, even though they say everyone says Bush is almost as good as White. Like no one is thinking about him as being someone who should go ahead of him. Yeah, those guys are interesting because they are so far out in front of the other off ball linebackers in the, yeah. in the draft. Like uh, I was talking to Josh Norris or I was listening to Josh Norris um, the other day on uh, on a podcast with Chris Sims and Paul Burmeister and Thor Nystrom, really good podcast. You should check it out. I tweeted out this morning. Um, you know, he's like the next off ball linebacker after those guys are gone, might not be selected until the third round. Which yeah, I don't think would, that's, that's would real. surprise anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, another uh, defensive prop that has caught my eye, and, and this one I, I'd like your input on. Uh, really interesting. First defensive back drafted. Um, I think this is going to come down to two guys, cornerbacks, uh, Greedy Williams and Byron Murphy. And, you know, potentially uh, someone, a, a team would maybe go with a safety first. Um, but I think these are going to be the, the two cornerbacks, uh, the two defensive backs really off the board. Um, you can find Byron Murphy at plus 300. And uh, I think that's a lot of value there because really there's a wide range of outcomes with Greedy Williams. He could be a top 10 pick. He could also slide into round two. But everyone is thinking of Byron Murphy as a guy who's going to be drafted somewhere between, let's say, like pick 19 and pick like 26. Uh, and, and so I think he has a more stable projection. I think it's pretty much a coin flip between these two guys. And so to be able to get something that is basically a 50-50 proposition uh, at plus 300 odds, I like a lot. One that stood out to me at the quarterback position, number of quarterbacks selected in the first round. This one's pretty much available at all the books. The over-under number is three and a half. So, you know, you bet the under, under under three and a half, only three quarterbacks go in the first round. We win. That's where the favorable odds are, Um, especially if you shop around at Sportsbook. It has the the best odds for this under at plus 220 so if we bet 10 bucks and we win we we win 22 dollars and you know I, I think that although in all three of our mock drafts 
Matthew Friedman, mine, and Daniel Jeremiah, we all had, I believe, four quarterbacks going. So that, that would seemingly be the bet, the over. But, you know, Daniel Jeremiah forced in Drew Locke at number 30 to the Packers. Um, I still don't think it's crazy to think that Daniel Jones could fall out of the first round. I mean, at this point, it seems like he's going, you know, maybe 11 to the Bengals, maybe 15 to the Redskins. And like almost like his floor is the Giants at number 17. Um, Dwayne Haskins, I know that you have him at number six still, Matt, but I just think that there's a a wide ranging uh, viewpoint on Dwayne Haskins, and I'm not entirely sure that he's going to go in the first round. I think it's very likely, but I think it's not certain. So all we need is one of these guys to fall out, and we get pretty good odds, whereas if you look at the odds on taking the over, it's minus 320. Um, What do you think about that? Do you think it's a little bit too risky? I know that the expectation amongst all three of us based on our mock drafts is that the over hits here. Man, I this is this is the prop for me. Like I've been conflicted about this one for okay. a long time, and uh, I finally capitulated in this last mock draft and put Daniel Jones in the first round. Not because I think he deserves to be a, a day one pick. I absolutely think he does not. Um, but there is so much smoke around him that I think there has to be some fire, especially because he was invited to attend the draft. And he accepted, which means that presumably the league and Jones's agent believe that he will be selected uh, on day one. Of course, like it does happen where a guy at the draft does fall like it happened to Aaron Rodgers. He thought he was going to be a top five pick. He went off the board at number 24. Geno Smith thought he was going to be drafted in the first round in 2013. Uh, He fell out of the first round altogether. So it does happen. But um, man, I'm just... I don't think that Drew Locke or Daniel Jones should be drafted on round one, but that's just, I think that's what is going to happen. So I'm going to stay away from this. I think I I agree with you that the value is on the under. Uh, In fact, you can find it at uh, plus 250 at uh, a few other books if you shop around. Uh, But I still don't want to touch it because, like, I don't want to bang my head against the irrationality of what some of these decision makers might do when it comes to the quarterback position. Like, teams just don't behave in a rational way when it comes to evaluating, valuing, and then selecting quarterbacks. So, like, do I do I think it is probable that John Elway, who hasn't made good quarterbacking decisions in the past, do I think it's probable that he will draft a quarterback higher than he should? Yeah, I, I think that I think there's a good chance that, that happens. And then the same with the Giants. Like, do I think it's probable that whenever they finally choose to draft someone to replace Eli Manning, that they they draft a guy who probably shouldn't be drafted on day one? Yeah, I could see that happening. So like part like I'm really conflicted because like the the analyst, the numbers guy in me wants to take the under because I look at this quarterback class and I say after Kyler Murray, after Dwayne Haskins, there's no one here who deserves to be a round one guy. But at the same time, like that doesn't mean that the NFL will see it my way. And based on the number of, of quarterbacks that they've actually invited to attend the draft, uh, I think we're going to see four, uh, four of these guys go on day one. Along those same lines at sportsbook.com, Drew Locke's draft position. Pick yeah. number 12.5. So 
um, the you get really good odds on the over here. So that would mean he gets drafted anywhere from 13 or later. You win at plus 180. Um, so, you know, $10 bet, you're profiting 18 bucks if it hits. The Broncos at number 10 are scary. I know that you have Drew Locke at number 10 to the Broncos, but we saw Locke go at number 30 in Jeremiah's mock. I think it's very conceivable that he lasts to the Skins at 15. Um, you know, you could lose it at number 10 to the Broncos. You could lose it at number uh, 11 to the Bengals. So it's definitely a, a risky bet, but I kind of like the over mainly based on the odds. But, you know, it. I think it goes to a lot. It goes, it, it you know, a, a lot of what you just said about the three and a half quarterbacks in the first round really, I think, applies here to this Drew Locke bet as well. Um, I don't know. What do you think about him? Yeah, if I had to lean on one of these, I would go to the over uh, because, you know, I, as you said, the odds are good there. And um, I could see teams moving down a little bit and hoping that he would fall to them. Like I could see the, the Broncos moving down a little bit, let's say from, I don't know, like 10 to 14 or 15 or whatever it is. Like I could see them moving down. Uh, I could see him falling um, and still going in round one. Uh, totally conceivable. Um, but I will probably stay away from this one just because I think like 12 and a half is probably like that's the right range. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if he goes anywhere from 10 to 15 to 17, like that feels that feels probably accurate. Uh, and so I don't know if there's quite enough value there for me to, uh, to to take that. But if I had to lean one direction, I would go the over uh, one one player prop uh, that is interesting. Uh, and I, I know that you like Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown yeah. quite a bit. Um, the number that I am seeing for him out there is 19 and a half with uh, minus 200 on the over plus 150 on the under. Uh, I think that he's probably going to go in the first round. Um, I mean, you know, not 100 percent on that, but uh, I still have him slotted into the first round over pick 19 and a half. I think Steelers at 20 is the first kind of realistic spot where he would go off the board. Um, what are your thoughts on him? Yes, I was looking at this as well. I mean, and I was looking at potential landing spots before the Steelers at 20. And I do think that the Steelers at 20 are a realistic landing spot, although he is Antonio Brown's cousin. So, I mean, does that come into play? Like, you know, you you never know. I mean, it it very well could, especially if they're trying to, you know, split hairs or um, uh, break ties in the draft room. Yeah, but, it's a yeah, weird I mean, thing I was, where I could see yeah, it. I could see it cutting both ways. Like I could see them not wanting him because he's Antonio Brown's cousin. But I could also see like this sort of like petty vindictiveness of being like, and we're going to draft his cousin and show him <laughs> that we can win without him. Well, do you remember when they offered a big contract to Mike Wallace and then he turned it down and then they just gave it to Antonio Brown? So yeah. they they do have like kind of a history of of doing petty little things i mean and that worked out very well for the team but yeah i was looking at just the potential landing spots for marquise brown before number 20 and i mean they're non-existent the titans at 19 you know i i think that that would make some sense theoretically but they need edge rushing help big time 
Yeah. And they also are kind of like a smash mouth team, I think, or they want to be offensively. And, you know, does drafting a 160 pound wide receiver fit into that? No, not really. Redskins at 15. Uh, I, you know, I think we're getting, we're really, really reaching there. So, yeah, I think it's Steelers at 20. Ravens at 22 on down to the Chiefs, where I know that you have him mocked. I'd love to see him go there. Um, last dra- draft prop, uh, before we jump into the mock draft, in, into uh, some specifics on our, about our mock drafts, um, I wanted to just talk about wide receivers going in yeah. the first round because, you know, Pete Prisco recently tweeted out, don't be surprised if there's no wide receivers in the first round. Um I actually have three in the first in my mock draft, T.K. Metcalf, Marquise Brown, A.J. Brown. But all of them went 20 or later, and I put A.J. Brown at number 32. Um, but it's it's the same odds for the over and the under here. It's two and a half wide receivers in the first round. Same odds for the over and the under at minus 120. Um Again, you know, I had to force in the wide receivers almost into my mock draft. They all went in in that 20 to 32 range. What are you thinking about this this draft prop here? Yeah, I like this one. Um, I'll be honest. A month ago, I liked this one at three and a half with taking the over. So maybe I'm a little too optimistic. But uh, look at it this way. Over the past decade, uh, you know, when we've been in a fairly pass-happy time for the league, we have seen three and a half wide receivers per year drafted in the first round. The over of two and a half has hit in eight of the past 10 years. And then and then think about it like this. This is a good wide receiver class. Like, I, I mean, you maybe you have a different opinion. Maybe other people think that this is just an average class. I think this is an above average wide receiver class. I think DK Metcalf and Marquise Brown should pretty much be locked in as first rounders. And then after that, you have AJ Brown. Uh, you have him in your first round. I have him in my first round. Uh, and then Hakeem Butler, Paris Campbell, Inkill Harry, JJ Arcega Whiteside. I have to think that one of those five guys can find his way into the first round. But, you know, regardless of kind of who it is who gets into the first round, if the average for the past decade is three and a half wide receivers, per year like that is really good there's a lot of value in in taking the over at two and a half uh and 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 i agree on the three guys you have slotted into the first round so let's jump into our mock drafts um at number one we all have kyler murray at number two we all have nick bosa number three through five it's all some combination of you know, a defensive lineman or, or a linebacker. But at number six is really where things start to get interesting. You know, Jason Lisk, who wrote for the big lead for a really long time, now writes for Larry Brown Sports, really good writer, uh, did an article yesterday on how the Giants hold the keys to the draft. They have the number 16 and 17 overall picks. They are very much, you know, at least theoretically in the quarterback market, they're also very much in the market for uh, big-time defensive players, which is which this uh, draft, this first round, is expected to be littered with. So they're they're very much an interesting team. I think that this is where the draft really starts to get interesting. You still have Dwayne Haskins 
at number six. None of the beat writers think that the Giants are taking Dwayne Haskins. Um, but, I mean, do you think that the Giants are, are pulling like a big smoke screen here and, and they're going to they're gonna take what, what everyone kind of expected them to do um, uh, early in the draft season? Yeah, I'm still conflicted about this. And so for me, there are a couple of questions. One, are they going to go quarterback at number six or are they going to address the defensive line there and then hope that the quarterback they want falls to them at 17 or, or that one way or another they can get their guy uh, later in the draft? Um, because if they like Haskins, I think they're going to have to take him at six. I don't I don't know if he falls past uh, Denver at 10 or uh, Cincinnati at 11. But so there's the question of who is it that they really want? But even this is kind of the second part of it. Even if they do decide that they want Daniel Jones, there's no guarantee that he would fall to them at number 17. So if they want a quarterback, I think they should probably just take the guy they want at number six to make sure they, they get their guy. You know what I mean? So I mean, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, the rumors are that they really like Daniel Jones. I think it makes sense for them to draft a quarterback at number six. When I release my final mock next week, I I can't, I cannot believe I'm saying this. I might have Daniel Jones going to the Giants at number six. Well, Daniel Jeremiah does have Daniel Jones going to the Giants at number six. (laughs) It's Um, it's it's unfathomable to me. Yeah, it's it's going to be really really interesting if something like that happens. Um, I have them taking Devin White at number six. You know, last year they took um, a really really good player at a devalued position, but a really high floor pick at number two overall with Saquon Barkley. And I think that they would be doing something very similar by taking Devin White, really really good player, also does play a devalued position. Although if you have one of these top flight off off ball linebackers, like Luke Keekley or um, Dion Jones, you know, they really can be difference makers, but there's a really small handful of them that are true difference makers in the NFL. I do think that Devin white has a chance to be one though, but you know, just on paper with, you know, no, no NFL track record on him. Devin white would be, Kind of similar, just a great prospect, likely to be a really good player, but also plays uh, a kind of devalued position, but is a high floor, low risk pick. And that's what Dave Gettleman did in year one. And I wouldn't be surprised if he used the six pick here on a player like that and then does maybe try to move up. You know, he has never trade down, traded down in a draft, but he has yeah. moved up quite a bit in drafts historically. And, you know, they do have 12 draft picks. So, and, you know, Dave Gettleman, when he was in Carolina, his drafts average, they averaged 5.6 draft picks per year. So Dave Gettleman, probably getting kind of uncomfortable with having all these draft picks, might want to use some of them uh, to move up from 17 and make sure he gets, you know, his, his Drew Locke or his Daniel Jones or whatever. But that's kind of my theory on the Giants for now, my very, very weak, thin theory. Um, the At number eight, you know, the Lions, and we're probably going to agree on defense or offensive line here. You have them going, Rashawn Gary. I think that this is an interesting spot because it's, 
like kind of you look at every different mock draft everyone has someone different like we we agree a lot on you i and, and jeremiah agree a lot on um even if it's not the same player going to a team but we'll agree on the same position going to a team you have a sort of a defensive end slash defensive tackle going to the lions jeremiah has jonah williams uh, offensive tackle slash guard going to the lions i have montez sweat and edge rusher going to the lions um what are your general thoughts on the lions here at number eight yeah, I agree with you that I think uh, the the right move is either offensive line or defensive line. Uh, I went with Gary over Sweat, although like I could be talked into either one. Um, what mm-hmm. I like about Gary is that he does have that positional versatility. He's just a little bit bigger, but like Sweat, he's still a freak athlete. Um, and I think in, in Patricia's offense, sorry, Patricia's defense, where he want to have a uh, kind of versatile front, you know, move between a three, four and a four, three. And then within that, have a guy who can move around and play different positions. I think Gary, in theory, could give him a lot of what he wants with his positional versatility. Uh, so that's why I went with Gary. But yeah, Sweat, I mean, I think he's the guy who should be in the top 10. He's not in the top 10 of, of my mock. And I, you know, I think it's maybe one of those situations where, you know, quarterbacks get pushed up the board and a guy just uh, he falls down and provides positional value later um but uh yeah at number eight it is really interesting with the lions i think it is either gary or sweat number 11 with the Bengals. both myself and daniel jeremiah have them taking Dwayne haskins you have them taking andre dillard uh the best pass protecting tackle in the draft um what do you think about them taking a quarterback here i mean do you think that that's definitely in play might you have them taking quarterback in 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 your next mock draft they they certainly need offensive line help though so can't knock the andre dillard pick at all yeah uh it's interesting that we're really getting very little out of cincinnati in terms of what they might do in the draft it makes sense with a, a new coach who is you know on the offensive side of the ball he might want his quarterback um I don't know if we will see one of those three guys slip to number 11. Um, and, and I don't know if the Bengals would want to reach for Daniel Jones at number 11. Uh, and so maybe it's the type of situation where they're fine with seeing what they have with Andy Dalton for one more year and just trying to improve the offensive line. If it doesn't work out with Dalton, maybe they attack the quarterback position next year. Um, but if one of those quarterbacks slips down, uh, either Haskins or Drew Locke to number 11, it is definitely possible that they could take him. I'm going to have to think about it a little bit more, but I mean, offensive line is such a big need for them uh, that, you know, Andre Dillard, I think he makes sense there. It's true that we haven't gotten much information out of them. Um, last year, if you remember, it came out like kind of everybody knew that they wanted Frank Ragnow last year, right before the draft. And then the lions traded up ahead of them. I think yeah. one spot ahead of them to go get Frank Ragnow, who um, who's a stud. And then they stuck with the same position. They just went right to the next guy on their draft board, sticking at the same position. You know, FBPA, um, at, uh, best player available. And they literally just took the next guy, Billy Sims, out of Ohio State. So they were like locked up, locked into a position last year. Thanks so much, Friedman, for coming on the show, man. And, um, you know, love talking ball with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Make sure you check him out 
on Twitter. He's excellent at Matt F the Oracle, Matthew Freeman, Cedar Rapids, Iowa's finest these days. I love it. I'm, I live in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Matt. So I like that you're representing. Thanks so much, man. That was awesome. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. Excellent stuff, Evan. I loved it. I always do. Love the Fantasy Feast, even though it was a day later than when we normally record it. And now you can take some of that information over to betonline.ag and place a wager on some draft stuff. Or you can go ahead to betonline.ag, use the promo code PODCAST1, and maybe bet on the NBA playoff games, the NHL playoffs, or... How about just the season NFL week one lines that are now out? Week one lines are out. Get after it. Over at betonline.ag using the promo code podcast one. If you're not sure who to put your money on, make sure you listen to the Even Money podcast because that's exactly what we're doing today. We're placing our bets for week one now before the lines change. This is the best value you get all year long. College draft was also awesome this week, by the way. If you didn't get a chance to listen yet, uh, Dane Brugler from The Athletic, he's the closest thing we have to a real NFL scout, and I encourage you to check that out. Other than that, uh, you guys know the deal. I told you about even money. Raw Sucker Football Podcast. We've got Greg Cosell breaking down the DBs in the draft today on a teaching tutorial Thursday. I'm stuffed. That was a meaty fantasy feast. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.